Amen, right? I'm telling you, my kids like wanted me to start crying before I even get up here as they come and uh, embrace me. Um, and just like in light of what we just sang, that kind of love, <laughs> that kind of embrace that you can get from an intimate, loving God should move us, right? It should move us in a way that nothing else can move us. Um, yeah, so I'm excited to be here. My name is Seth Lingenfeld. I'm one of the pastors here. Very honored and privileged to have this time um, to share a little bit about what God has been working on with me, uh, with you all, and hopefully, uh, yeah, it, it encourages us and charges us to go and be about his work here in this world. All right, so we're going to be coming from the Gospel of John, uh, chapter 13, verses 31 through 35. Uh, these are, in fact, the words of Jesus and it says, when he had left, Jesus said, now the son of man is seen for who he is and God seen for who he is in him. The moment God is seen in him, God's glory will be on display. In glorifying God, he himself is glorified. Glory all around. Children, I am not with you for only a short time longer. You are going to look high and low for me. But just as I told the Jews, I'm telling you, where I go, you are not able to come. Let me give you a new command. Love one another. In the same way I loved you, you love one another. This is how everyone will recognize that you are my disciples, when they see the love you have for each other. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we are grateful that you are a God who is our Father who loves us more than we can possibly imagine. You call us your children. You freely welcome us into your family. We thank you that you are a God who is Jesus, who is Messiah, who is the Son, who came and lived and breathed, not just to pay a price for us to be reconciled to you, but to show us the life that we can live, the importance of obedience and submission to an all-knowing and loving God. And we thank you for your role as Holy Spirit who leads and guides and empowers us and has been with us since Jesus returned back to the right hand of the Father. As we enter into a time of, of learning about what it is you have in store for us, Give our hearts um, the capacity to, to be written upon. Let it not be a time of condemnation or anything that would stir us or steer us away from you, but let it be something that draws us to you and, yeah, and encourages us uh, and excites us about all that you have in store. We ask this in your son's most precious name, Jesus Christ. Amen. You may be seated. So for the past two years, this passage has been on my mind. Uh, it's riddled my mind, I guess you could say. There's something at first glance that's inspiring and appealing and exciting about it. But as you give it some more thought, and as I gave it some more thought throughout these years, and especially in these last few months as I 
prepared for today, I began to see how it's not just inspiring. It's, it's quite dangerous. Uh, it's controversial. Controversial. Costly. It's demanding. Honestly, the list of words to describe this passage could go on, which should be an indication that it's something we should take serious. Not to mention, this is a, these are the words of Jesus in the fourth quarter of his life. The word love brings with it a lot. Love has been and will always be misunderstood, manipulated, abused, cherished, enjoyed, envied. It's powerful and so much more. And here we're invited into a moment where we can begin to experience the full nature of love and what it looks like. So some context. Here in the Gospel of John, it's one of the accounts of Jesus' life. You have Jesus, the Son of God, God in human form who was willing, who willingly came to earth subjecting himself to all the imperfect ways that his creation had established. Once his time came, he obeyed the Father's will by starting his ministry, teaching, healing, going out, selecting disciples to invest in, to do life with. He put up with the false accusations and attacks by the very people, the Israelites, who were supposed to embrace him as their Messiah. And here, late in his ministry, as life is nearing the end, he sits in a room with his followers. First, breaking tradition by washing the disciples' feet rather than allowing the typically appointed person to do so. He goes on to affirm his death as he, as he shares that one among them will, in fact, betray him. And as his betrayer departs, Jesus embodies the glory of God as his perfect obedience to the Father proves his divineness. And it's here Jesus decides to reveal a new command to his followers, to us. A command that he has lived out for eternity. A command which seems familiar to what he has said before, but in fact, it is very unique. He says, love one another in the same way that I love you, you love one another. This is how everyone will recognize that you are my disciples, when they see the love you have for each other. It is in this that I pulled a truth that just impacted me, and I pray it impacts you. It's that unrestricted love is the greatest expression of Jesus we can hope to share with one another and the world. So what does it mean to love one another? First, it's important to clarify who Jesus is calling us to love in this particular instance. For much of my life, when hearing this scripture, especially in isolation, I was under the impression that those of us who claim to be followers of Christ are to be known by everyone in the way that we love, the way that we show love. And although that is true, what Jesus is getting at here is more specific. In this moment, Jesus is revealing what the full nature of love looks like and how it can only be experienced within the family of God, within the body of Christ, within the community of faith. This is not meant to create an exclusivity, Rather, it's meant to enlighten to the disciples that a greater and more full experience of life is possible through communal 
love. As we touched on, as we touched on moments ago, this command is preceded by uniquely countercultural practice. Jesus, a man, a Jew, a rabbi, just his earthly titles, then you throw into the mix that he is, in fact, the Messiah, the divine and human flesh, King of kings, Lord of lords, the Son of God, who is fully God, takes it upon himself to serve in a role that was essentially forbidden in Jewish culture. Those who were to wash the feet, by doing so, if you were a Jew, it immediately made you unclean. This particular role was reserved for Gentiles, someone that did not share uh, the Jewish lineage, or women or children. And yet here, Jesus steps in to break down not only the stereotype of who can or should serve, but he's destroying a hierarchical system that was put in place by society and not by God. He's expressing the very practice in place within the Trinity, Father, Son, Spirit, perfectly in harmony with one another, loving one another, serving out of obedience to one another. There is no competition within the Trinity. And here we have a firsthand glimpse into the very nature that God has exhibited from the beginning. He has always perfectly loved now, and now he is serving out of the fullest of love. With this insight, how then is it we so often get caught up by the norms of society and culture? rather than embracing the role of our Messiah fleshed out nearing the end of his life. I believe there's an abundance of reasons why we allow ourselves to focus on the norms of society. It's messy. It's uncomfortable. It's easier not to do that. And here you can see the tension taking place within the disciples. We see Peter denying Jesus the ability to wash his feet. To fully love one another, we are choosing to empty ourselves of our own dreams, our own desires, our own opinions, our identity. Seth is no longer Seth. And to do so, we can look foolish. We can look like we're trying to do too much. We all know those folks, right? Those folks are trying to do a little too much. Um, No one wants to look like that. Or to be on the receiving end of such love, we can feel shameful. We can feel unworthy, embarrassed, prideful, judged. But here as Jesus addresses Peter, we see that unless he embraces the full love of Christ, his feet will remain unclean. In the same way, when we fail to extend this love, this full nature of love of God to one another or to receive it, We are denying God's desire, his way for us to experience Christian community. And we will be a shell of who God created us to be. So to fully love one another, we have to prioritize community. What does that look like? Luckily, Cornerstone Church gave us an outline. (laughs) So we have an amazing vision script that was done a few years back our vision script for 2022 through 2025. And hopefully you've heard it, read it. If you haven't, you can go on our website, click that about link, check it out. Uh, But we're gonna sort of go through some of that right now. 
The first, it says, we listen and obey. Reading the word of God individually and collectively to wrestle with what we're called to, contrary to how the world functions and operates. So diving into God's word. It seems simple, but I don't know about you. It can get pretty complicated because I start to dissect, am I doing this the right way? Am I pulling the right truth from this? Which is an okay feeling to have. It's an okay thought to have, which is why we are supposed to do it in community so that I don't begin to form truths that aren't quite true, that aren't quite godly. So that looks like if you're hanging out with folks, brothers and sisters, sharing with them, hey, this is what God's talking to me. This is what I've been going through. This is what I've been reading. Iron sharpens iron, right? But you have to cultivate that environment. Secondly, we serve. We're willing to go to the people and places the Spirit is leading us to go and jumping in. I think sometimes we overcomplicate what it means to serve. Serving could be coming alongside someone who decided to build a 10 by 18 foot pergola in their backyard uh, and thought that they would be pretty easy and then the, the ground is not quite even and then you gotta pour two other footers and then you gotta take a lot of time and sweat and almost pass out because it's 95 degrees outside and what was supposed to take a couple weeks is taking four months and uh, yeah. People have come alongside me, I'm talking about myself, building a pergola in my backyard, and it's going to look amazing at some point, Uh, but I've had many people who've come alongside me, many brothers who've come alongside and offered to help out and actually have helped out. That's a very practical way to serve. It may seem insignificant, but that expresses love, right? It expresses, hey, I care about you, even though, hey, this pergola, is it really worth all this time and effort and, and money? But it is to me. Um, So I appreciate those folks. Uh, We give, we use all that we have wisely to support the needs that we become aware of. Again, this could be in a lot of different forms. I think a lot of times our mind first goes to what we have financially. And that is a very important thing to do. We need to be giving our treasure uh, to one another. It's one of the things that was attributed to the early church in Acts verses 2 through 42, verses 2, 42 through 47, where they had everything in common. They pulled their resources together to take care of the needs amongst themselves. So we should be looking out after that. Our church, we have a benevolence committee that I'm actually part of, and we have some amazing individuals who practically handle a lot of the, for lack of better terms, um, interviewing or screening process. So talking with individuals who find themselves in unique situations where they need someone to give. And we as a church collectively do that, which is great, and that's a very formal process, but individually, we should be finding ways to give, to give our time, to give the unique talents that we have, uh, to give our treasure. That can be within the walls of this church. I don't know if you know it, but it takes a lot to make this happen. (laughs) These words don't just come up. We have someone who takes the time and receives whatever those who are preaching sends them and makes sure it's orchestrated the right way and this translation is this way and the words of the song is this way. We have a 
slew of individuals who come up here early and clean and make things nice and feel welcoming and inviting. We have a lot of individuals, as we recognized earlier, who serve and invest in our kids. And that's a lot within the walls. Imagine what can be done outside of the walls if we choose to serve. We seek. We use the unique talents and giftings that we have while also infirming the creativity of others. So I'm 37 years old, about to be 38. I grew up in a time where it was like, you can be whatever you want to be, unless it's something super creative because you're just not going to make money doing that, right? Well, we're in a culture now where entrepreneur, right? The, that lovely word, I like to say it that way. It's just, it cracks me up every time. But anyway, we have this culture now where people are embracing their creative creativity and others are embracing it and encouraging it. That's amazing. That's taking place in the world. That should be taking place in the church all the time. That should be taking place by sharing with someone who has a unique skill set skill set where you can see they don't quite have that confidence and you can come alongside them and breathe confidence into them in a variety of ways whether that be an encouraging word whether it be sowing a seed whether it be whatever but we should be about that with one another we simplify ensuring your calendar is not exclusively filled up with you things rather have margin for others to be part of your life it is extremely easy to fill your calendars up. I have two little ones, and we just got off the first season of activities. Gymnastics on this day, soccer on these two days, soccer game on this day, and I love it. And then my wife's in grad school, amen, getting her third degree, just showing, showing me up left and right, straight A's. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. She doesn't like it, but yeah, it's pretty amazing. But life is busy, and you throw in work, and you throw in serving in uh, a variety of capacities. It's easy to lock up your calendar. Like, well, I don't have time for myself. And by no means is this saying not to have time for yourself. But it means being intentional about what you have time for. I am OCD when it comes to planning, a little too much so. But that may mean, hey, you know what? It is the second Thursday of the month. That means I need to be reaching out to someone to come over and have dinner or whatever it may look like. And not just reaching out to the people you know. I mean, that's good. It's good to, to invest and get to know people very deeply. But it's also good not to just reach out to those same folks, right? It's good to, to embrace and get to know the unique individuals that make up this local body and then we support in love we look out for one another for the purpose of growth and not judgment that means this goes into that whole accountability language that means truly caring about someone enough in love that you are concerned for them but not in the sense of you're trying to call them out or point out how they're living life the way that they shouldn't be living and they should be living more like you. Because it's very easy to teeter that, right? Or it's very hard to walk that line. We should be looking for ways that we can come alongside our brothers and sisters out of love, 
if we see them slipping, if we see them going in a direction that is sort of contrary to what we know that they have expressed to us at some point in time, and certainly that is contrary to the word, but it must be done out of love. These aren't overly demanding, but they require intentional decision. So we're about to start our routine, school routine. As I mentioned, I have two little ones. Caitlin's going into fifth grade. Ellis is going into third. Tomorrow is open house. We get to go to their classrooms, fill out that paperwork a hundred times, meet their teachers, their uh, pair pros. Um, and it, it's, it's going to be exciting. But that means Tuesday, life hits hard. That means at 520, I'm up. Yeah, 5.20 a.m., I am up, and I am doing my stretches because my back is jacked up at 37. I got two herniated discs, three that are compressed. They look like Oreo cookies. It's not pretty, uh, but do my stretches, make sure my back is right. We got a dog during COVID, Shadow. I love him, but man, it's a lot. Got to let him out. Let him go to the bathroom. He's flipping out. I'm trying to do my stretches. He's jumping all on me. Got to get the kids up, make sure they're ready for school. It's going to be tough in a couple of days because they've been sleeping in, not crazy sleeping in like you wish they would, but they've been sleeping in a little bit. And then I love my wife. Because I love my wife and because we have an amazing machine called the Breville Barista, side note, if you don't have one, if you have the means to do it and you like coffee, Breville Barista is nice, but I make her a nice little vanilla latte. And then I'm off. I'm walking to Marta, going to, going to work. I don't do that just because, hey, it's fun to do. I do that because I love myself. I want to take care of myself. I love my family. I want to show them that I love them. I want to serve them. I'm going to take that time to do so. So there takes a lot of intentionality behind fulfilling these values that, yes, are attributed to Cornerstone, but that Jesus is calling us to. So the question is, what happens when we fully love one another. As I shared, it is costly. It requires sacrifice, vulnerability, and humility. So the question of why we should love is valid. It's easier to just love yourself and not love others. I think one of the reasons we should do it is because we will experience a garden-like existence. And what I mean by that is there, there's a book that I read many, many years ago. It's called When Helping Hurts, How to Alleviate Poverty Without Hurting the Poor and Yourself. It's a book by Steve Corbett and Brian Ficker. And when I read it, it was in perfect timing because what I do for a living as a profession is coming alongside individuals who um, are the most vulnerable of those in society. And in chapter two, the authors dive into why poverty exists. They attribute it to the four foundational relationships not existing as harmoniously as they were intended, which is humanity with God, humanity with ourselves, humanity with one another, and humanity with nature, with the rest of creation. And I remember reading this, and it was like a light switch going off. Because for me, reconciling the existence of humanity while in the garden versus the existence of humanity outside of the garden has always been on my mind. 
it's, it's something as you read the first few chapters of Genesis, you see how Adam and Eve, how humanity exists with themselves and with one another as they truly care and tend to one another, how they having the slow walks in the garden with the Father throughout the garden with the Spirit hovering over. And you see how they interact with the rest of nature and just how amazing it is. But with sin, naturally these relationships begin to break. They begin to become less pure, unhealthy. Therefore, the community of God's people began to fall further away from how it was intended to exist. Fortunately, our God had a plan, right? A perfect plan that involved a man who was fully God and fully human. A plan that modeled for us what we could hope to gain when we submit to the ways that he created us for. Then the world will be shown the full nature of God. As I said earlier, this command that was given to love one another in the same way I love you, you love one another. This is how everyone will recognize that you are my disciples when they see the love you have for each other. The love that we show one another will be the very thing that the world comes to know us by. The full nature of love will be exhibited in our relationships. The question we have to ask ourselves is how serious are we taking this reality? By no means does this indicate salvation is on our shoulders. However, if we choose to neglect this command of Jesus, we are actively choosing to misrepresent the full love of God. That means the world will continue to cling to a malnourished form of love and attribute other characteristics to us, the disciples of Jesus. There's multiple studies out there where we don't rank too high We're known for being judgmental, critical, unloving. But yet, the last command, Jesus is emphasizing that we are to be known by our love. And again, this is the same love that existed within God, between Father, Son, and Spirit. The world is searching and seeking. They're looking for what true love looks like. And we have the opportunity to simply model it for them each and every day, every single day. As I said, unrestricted love is the greatest expression of Jesus that we can hope to share with one another and the world. There's no doubt that the love of Jesus is calling, that Jesus is calling us is complex. It's challenging. Not to sound like a scratch CD. Anybody know what a scratch CD is? Yeah. I know. That those are little things that used to be silver. And you would have to blow on it, maybe put some lotion on it when you're cooking it up. Anyway. Yeah, you put lotion on it, it does away with the scratch. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Anyway. <laughs> not, to reme- not to repeat myself, but it is costly. It's messy. It's humbling. It's sacrificial. But... It is beautiful, it is fulfilling, it is pure, it will bring joy that you cannot get anywhere else. And remember that this is in fact the very love that God has for us, his creation. The love that existed in and was nurtured by Jesus 
for us. The love that not only made Jesus' life possible with its experiences of poverty, persecution, and restlessness, but this same love we're called to exhibit with one another is the love that motivated and encouraged Christ to willingly submit to death, even death on a cross. This same love existing within the Spirit of God made it possible for our Savior to rise from the dead. And that same Spirit, motivated by this love, has been with creation ever since, empowering those of us who accept these truths to do amazing things for the kingdom of God here on earth. This is the heritage that we have the opportunity to carry with us within Christian community. Jesus gave this command for a purpose, and we have a decision to make daily if we believe its value, that it is of value, and we have to find ways to intentionally live it out. Every single moment that we come into service on Sundays, we have a very real way to experience um, Christian community in a, in a way that we can't always experience out in day-to-day -day life. And it's, it's interesting, as I was standing over there, um, as worship was going on, I was, yeah, I was just overwhelmed um, by the moment. I felt like we had a, a unique moment uh, as a community. Um, maybe it was my nerves, but I, I believe it was I believe it was the spirit at work. And those are moments that, yes, are unique and special to this type of, of gathering uh, as a community of faith um, to come together and to worship God together. Uh, but it is not so unique that it can't happen outside of these walls. Uh, you can find joy and peace and feel the spirit just embody you as you do very practical things. Um, as I mentioned earlier, I, for the last 17 years, I've worked in um, various organizations where I get to come alongside the most vulnerable of society. And it's amazing what simple obedience can do, the impact that it can have. Uh, this past Friday, um, we had another organization over to where I work just to share with them what we do and hear more about what they do. And as I was wrapping up the day, I'm, I'm leaving to go outside to take something to the other building, and there's a sweet little lady outside, clearly uh, experiencing homelessness, has very little any, of anything. And all she wanted was something to eat and something cold to drink. Um, and in those moments, even 17 years in, it's, it's very hard to reconcile with what can I do, what should I do, what is not enough, what is enough. And so acknowledged, went and got what I could get, brought it to her, and she walked away uh, very thankful. And in that moment, I, I had this experience with God. I'm like, man, that, to me, it seems so little. It seems so insignificant. Um, but it was me being obedient. And it was an opportunity uh, 
to experience God in a, in a deeper way. And those core values, again, these are ways that we can experience God in a deeper way, in a way that he wants us and has desired for us to experience him from the beginning of time. And it takes that simple step of obedience. And that example is very minor. It's, it's easy to go and get something and hand it to someone. It's a whole other thing when uh, someone that you know just lost a mother or someone who is going through separation with a spouse, someone who has lost a child, someone whose child is in rebellion, making decisions that are tough, losing a job that you thought was going to be your forever job, not having a place to call home. But when we choose to be obedient to these things and to be about love the way that Jesus has loved us, Man, it makes that a lot more palatable, and it makes a difference, such a difference. So I pray that we choose to do that. I am not as long as some of the other pastors. <laughs> Amen? I'm just playing. Nah, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, but yeah, I would love to, to pray us out and have another time to, to worship God together, and then we'll enjoy the afternoon. Uh, Dear Heavenly Father, we are grateful that you are the God that you are. Oftentimes, it's easy for us to put ourselves in your place and think how we would make decisions differently and better. And if we're honest, what's motivating that is our own selfishness. And you are not selfish, God. You are a God that is completely selfless exhibited through your son, Jesus, who willingly came to earth, lived, breathed, dwelt among his, your creation, that lived contrary to what you existed back in the garden, and yet submitted himself to death so that we can be reconciled with you. I pray for those of us in here who have id who have received and accepted that that we choose to live this out and for those who are in here who have never heard this amazing truth this amazing way to live or maybe they've heard it but it been it's been misrepresented and tainted and and is disturbing i pray that they see through to what it is you truly desire a community of love first and foremost. Help us to all be about pursuit of this. And uh, yeah, we thank you that here at Cornerstone, we make this a priority. Although imperfect, we make it a priority and we strive towards it. Uh, We ask this all in your son's most precious name. Amen. Amen.